I'm Haley Topham, and this is Excellence in Management. Welcome to episode three of Excellence in Management. This is one of my favorite episodes, and I spoke with a guest on this episode who I, as soon as I started the podcast, I knew I was going to have to have him on, and he really is a huge part of the reason that this podcast exists, that I'm studying what I'm studying. He has had a huge impact on me. I worked with Kaleo at Mobetta's, uh, which is a Hawaiian restaurant in, started in Utah, and now there's locations in Idaho, and Kaleo is working in Oklahoma, and he covers Texas and Kansas, I believe, as well. And there might be some other locations, but it's it's growing pretty quick. Um, but Mobetas is a cool restaurant, and I took it just knowing that it was a food job, and I wanted something easy at the time where I could make money, and it ended up changing my life. The way that Kaleo leads is unlike anything that I've experienced before, let alone at a restaurant, um, at a job like that. He is now a district manager, so he does a lot of training the general managers for the stores. Um, But before that, even when he was just working with the average employee like me, he took it very seriously. And because of that, everything ran more smoothly. Our communication with each other was incredible. Our customer service was better. I th- I think our food tasted better and I'm going to stand by that. Because of the way we were communicating and because of the standards that he set, um, everything ran smoothly. And that was the thing that made me realize how important communication is. And it blew my mind how what a big difference it made. There's a lot of good stuff in this episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. A lot of good things that can apply to leadership and communication just in your daily life. Um, In past episodes, we've talked about being a lifelong learner when you are talking about communication, either professionally or just in your life, and I think Kaleo really embodies that. He is always learning, always trying to be better, and always encouraging everyone that he works with or associates with to be better. Um, When I reached out to him, he was eager to help me, and I worked with him three years ago, I think. Um, So he's definitely been... A support in my life, even with a, a three-year gap. I think in this episode with Kaleo, there's also a couple moments where we address um, some questions that came from Jen's episode, the first episode. So if you haven't listened to those first two episodes, give them a listen before you listen to this one, because some of those questions are going to get answered. But I won't waste any more time, because uh, this is a great episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And here is Kaleo. All right. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it, and I'm excited to talk That's to right. you. Um. So really quick, and I'll introduce you, but can you give us a quick overview of your life and your career path? Where did you start? Where are you now? Where do you plan to go in the future? Sure, absolutely. So, uh, and thanks for having me. It's good to yeah. see you after two, three years. Yeah. So I'm excited for this conversation and catching up with you. So yeah, as far as the most recent chapter of my career path, um, I started as a grill cook and dishwasher with Melvetta's in 2016. And it was my college job, and it was paying enough money for tuition, books, and enough Dr. Pepper to keep me alive. <laughs> and that was kind of it. It was my college gig, and I had a foot in my college degree studying graphic design at Utah State University and flipping chicken at Mobetta's. And it was one of those where 
I was getting to a point where I was investing so much time and money and effort into my college education and wasn't quite feeling that that was being reciprocated in knowledge and ROI and value gained. Where on the other hand, I was investing a lot of time and energy and effort into Mobetas and I was being promoted through the ranks. I was being given more compensation. I was being given opportunities to advance from a grill cook to an assistant manager, an assistant manager to a general manager. I was over, uh, I general managed three or four different sites in Utah. Um, and this past two years, Mobetas has expanded recently into the Midwest of the country. And I've been part of that spearhead effort. Currently, I'm the district manager of seven, soon to be eight locations. Uh, five of those are in Oklahoma and three of those are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so right now, um, again, I'm, I'm kind of overseeing those two states and loving every bit of it. And where do you see this? I mean, I guess your career in general, whether that's Mobetas or not, where do you see that going in the future? Sure. Yeah. Great question. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as we continue to expand, I just plan on following where the people, the product and the opportunity all overlap. For me, that's the trifecta that I was looking for at the age of 20. And the one that I continue to look for is what's a product I can get behind a culture that I can get integrated with. And uh, as long as there's no ceiling on my opportunity to continue to grow myself and grow my career, then that is where you will find me. Mm-hmm. Um. I have always felt like your career path and everything is so interesting because the stereotype, and I mean, I'm sure you are aware of this and were aware of it as you were leaving college to jump into Mobetas. The stereotype is that when you drop out of college for what essentially is like an up, upper class fast food job, that doesn't totally. look good. <laughs> that doesn't totally. yes. seem like the right path, but I have worked with you. I worked under you and you are quite the opposite of the person that we envision doing that kind of thing. You're very, very driven. You know exactly what you want, exactly what you're doing. Um, how did you know that that was the right decision in the moment? Yeah, great question. And yeah, no, you're exactly right about that stigma. And <laughs> did I receive those comments and that feedback? Absolutely. <laughs> From folks that do love me very much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that definitely rattled cages back then saying, you know, Hey mom, hey dad, I'm leaving my college degree and I'm pursuing my food job. <laughs> you know, so that's certainly, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that does carry a certain message. Um, what made it clear for me again, I'll take it back to the ROI is um, I was being valued. Right. And, and so for me, it was very clear as to where my talents and efforts were being uh, best invested and that I was receiving a return on the investment of my time, talents and efforts. And that was clearly going to be the case with Mobetas. I did spot early on that it was a young company. I started, I think we're around, we're at five locations when I joined mm-hmm. and I'm sitting in the shell of what's about to open here in two weeks in store number 40. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it, it's one of those, it's gone times 10 in the time that I've been here. And so it was a combination again of that trifecta of it's exactly what I was already looking for in the first place. And I was getting a return on the investment that I was putting into it. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a great thing to look for. Cause I think especially, you know, I see it all the time, even like here in school, I go to school with so many people that just do not like college and it's just not for them. And I think that stigma is what is keeping them here. And not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing to do, just like get a degree, but there's so many things that can contribute to your success. And there's so many different paths. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. And I think I'd caveat all of that with I'm big on education. I'm big on learning, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I read avidly. So I've always got yeah. a nose in a book. I'm always listening to podcasts and trying to educate myself. 
college just wasn't the scene for me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just couldn't freaking do it. And, and so, you know, it's not for everybody. I know it's for a lot of people. And I think to your point, people go down their different paths. I don't know to your point, if it's always for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And something that you said, you said that you are, and I know this about you, you are constantly reading, listening podcasts, you're constantly learning. And that's something that Jen said in my first episode, she said to be in this business, to be a manager or a leader or in the communication world, you have to be a lifelong learner. And if you're not, it's not for you. (laughs) And dead on. I think that's so true. And I think, you know, we have all worked with people like that, that end up in this field, but are not interested in putting in the work and are not interested in learning new tactics or thinking, how can I do this better? How can I improve? Um, so you, I would imagine, over the course of your career have worked with, if you had to guess how many different managers you've worked with, both assistant and <laughs> GMs, it, that you've worked yeah. under and have worked closely with as yeah, a manager. Great question. I think, yeah, even within my current brand, I'd probably ballpark it around 50 to 75, something yeah. in that range. That's crazy. And so I'm willing to bet, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that you have seen probably like some of the best communication there is and also probably some of the worst. That's exactly right. (laughs) You get a feeling the spectrum and that's emphasized. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially in an industry that you're in. Like I've I've worked the food jobs. That's what I've done more than anything. And I've seen it. I saw it with you where it was like top notch and the standards were high. And then I've seen it with other managers where it just things are falling apart. And I told you this the other day, um, we ta- when we talked the other day, that communication, you think that it doesn't have that much of an effect, but the way that like our food tasted better because the communication was good. <laughs> and I think, right? that, like, I don't know how to describe that, but like, because we were communicating, because, you know, the griller is communicating with the frontline people and just like vice versa and top-down communication is phenomenal. Everything runs smoothly customer service is better, employee oh. relationships are better. Um, so that being said, how have you seen poor communication have a negative effect on these workplaces that you've been in? Sure. I mean, I could pull out a scroll. I could pull out a Bible <laughs> of stories <laughs> uh, in the beginning. No, but uh, no, it, it's one of those, I the way that negative communication breaks down a workplace, um, it happens so fast. It happens so fast. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that communication is something that's so important to be nurturing consistently. And, and what's interesting about it is every individual in the workplace is a communicator, right? And I think often we get buckled down, especially, you know, we can talk all day about management and the right. leaders and, you know, the folks getting their degree. And it's like, look, at the end of the day, the, the frontline troop that's been on the job for one day is also part of that communication dynamic. Mm-hmm. They're also a part of that web. And so to your point and what you brought up earlier is that standard has to be set early on because if it's not, it's naturally just going to degenerate into miscommunication without there being somebody to put energy into the communication mm-hmm. system. It will break down. How have I seen this? I mean, God, I could, I could list a million different ways, whether that's with our supply chain, whether that's with customers that are inside the store, whether that's with scheduling and availability, whether that be somebody's pay. I mean, again, I've got, I could tell you 50 stories from like the past 24 hours, you know, of yeah. <laughs> how these things have negative impacts on, yeah. on the workplace. And the opposite is also true, clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is such a an interesting thought because, you know, this podcast, we talk about communication in leadership and that's kind of, you know, has the um, 
the idea that we are responsible for our own communication, which we are, but you also are kind of responsible for everyone else's communication. Absolutely. That is so much harder to do. I think, you know, you can communicate phenomenally and be the best leader in the world. Um, But if your team is not meeting those standards, what do you do? So that's, I want to ask that question. What do you do when your team is not meeting those standards? And I know you've had those experiences. Um, What's your process there? Absolutely. So I'll start with the, I'll take that question in two parts. I think part one would be the preventative measure, which mm-hmm. is have clarity of what that expectation is in the first place. Right. And, and I think too often, especially in my industry, and I, I would venture a guess that this is most industries that we onboard a new employee and the expectation is around the tasks that they're expected to perform mm-hmm. per hour or per minute and to what quality. I'm not sure there's a lot of communication, ironically, around the expectation of how they should be communicating, right? Whether that be the positive or the negative, whether that be the frequency and cadence of that communication. When do you get to text me? When do you get to call me? When do you Mm -hmm. not get to text me? When do you not get to call me? Because that matters too, (laughs) (laughs) especially my current role. I don't want to hear from you at 2 a.m., right? Right, And so setting a clear expectation on that communication in the first place is a great way to get ahead of everything that we're about to talk about uh now yeah should they not be meeting the expectations um you know it's one of those where i i always go first to look in the mirror at myself where did i fail to train that individual to set the clear expectation and to set them up for success in my environment i actually don't look at them first i first look inward and go okay odds are this is a talented smart individual i did something along the way that was Mm -hmm. incomplete in the expectations process or in the onboarding process, where can I do better? And then I circle back and I retrain that individual where I've identified holes in myself, right? Mm -hmm. Now the ball's in their court. Should they continue to fail and continue to go down that path? Now I know that the ownership is on them and that I've done my job as the manager, as the coach, as the mentor, and now it's on them to step up to the plate and achieve those expectations. And, you know, it's very contextual, but, you know, we'll go through a process of, coaching and training, disciplinary if, if necessary through the form of verbal warnings, written warnings, and eventual terminations if that's what the case uh, prescribes. I would love to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of those disciplinary actions because sure. I I think, and you can, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, on this. I think good disciplinary action, including up to termination, is so essential for maintaining a positive work culture because Agreed. we've all had, especially in the industry you're in, we've all had that one coworker who just kills all, every vibe. Like <laughs> everything yep. is worse because of that apple. And it drives me insane when nothing's being done about it, you know, and everyone is just kind of suffering because of this thing. So um, I'll give you a specific example, if that's okay. Please. Have yeah. a a worker who is showing up late consistently and like five or 10 minutes late, not crazy. Um, But they're showing up and they're doing the job, but just not very well. And they are kind of bringing the energy down. Um, They're really negative. They're really negative about the job. They're really negative about the people they work with. They're negative about you. (laughs) They are not super friendly to customers. What is your course of action with this employee? Sure. So my course of action and actually what I continue to train my own management teams on all the time, excuse me, is first and foremost, when there is a behavior that is below standard, that is coached to period. Mm -hmm. Were you five minutes late? That's coached to. 
Why? Mm -hmm. Because the standard is if you were scheduled at that time, that you were there clocked in and working at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's where you get into the slippery slope is they were allowed to clock in five minutes late and management didn't actually confront that behavior. Mm -hmm. And then they had kind of a bad attitude and management didn't really do anything about that because mm -hmm. it wasn't terrible. It was just kind of like, eh, yeah, eh, yeah. Eh. I'm not going to confront it because it was, it was borderline, but whatever. Right. If it gets worse, then I'll, then I'll escalate, then I'll go and coach that thing. And so, yeah, course of action. Number one is get clear on what your own standards are. Right. Again, I, I'm big on clarity. I'm big on intentionality, which maybe a lot of leadership lacks, at least in the many that I've interacted with. Sometimes that's lacking where I go, Hey, What's your lowest standard? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. That's mm -hmm. a real good question to ask a general manager in the food industry. Hey, yeah. what's the worst thing somebody could do in here that you're going to tolerate? That's a good question, Very right? Sure. And if yeah. we can't answer that for ourselves, then we don't know what we're coaching because sometimes yeah. I'll coach it and sometimes I won't. And now I'm going to be inconsistent. And that doesn't just create problems for me, but how do you even work for that person? You know, mm -hmm. how, how, how do I employ a bunch of people and having consistent standards where sometimes I'll coach you when you're five minutes late and sometimes I won't. Mm -hmm. So step one would be create clarity on what's my, what's my base standard for punctuality? What's my base standard for attitude? What's my base standard for you know, performance and productivity based off whatever those hard skills are that the task requires, yeah. right? And so identifying as the leader, what's that base standard? This is where my line is. If you fall below that line, course of action number two, I'm coaching to that and I'm documenting those things, mm -hmm. period. And it's any behavior that falls below that line. You clocked in a minute late. That falls below the standard that I set for yeah. myself in my store and as a leader and for the team that we talked about in the freaking interview. This isn't a surprise. So yeah. if you clocked in at 801 and you're supposed to be at 8, we're, talk, we're having a brief conversation, but we're having a conversation about it. Hey, yeah. I noticed you're a minute late. Uh, that's below our standard. I just want to bring that to your attention and make sure that this doesn't repeat. Questions? Nope. Okay, good. Awesome. And then we move forward and we have a good day, right? Now, should that repeat and repeat and repeat? Again, that's where we progress to a verbal, a written, and then termination when necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Something you've said multiple times now that I think is really interesting and that we don't always talk about in when we talk about communication and management is the self-awareness that it takes to be a manager and a leader. Um, and there have been, I haven't looked into it a ton, but I was talking to another leader in the healthcare industry and he was telling me about like Harvard business review articles that talk about how one of the greatest a, um, attributes a leader can have is self-awareness. And I think that's interesting that you are aware that you're part of a team and everyone needs to do their part and standards have been set. But your first thing is, where did I mess up? <laughs> like, where did right. I, you know, like, what did I do wrong? And I think that managers get tripped up when they forget about that. They forget that, yes, people need to meet standards, but have you set the standards? Have you made that clear? How do you go about balancing checking yourself, but also holding everyone to a high standard? Yeah, great question. So the way that I find balance in that is simply by checking the box of have I created clarity for that individual as to what the expectations are, number one, and then number two, have I trained them how to perform those expectations? That's essentially my job. After that, I'm accountability guy. And mm -hmm. I'm just accountable, 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 accountable. And I'm just holding that standard. Mm -hmm. Once I've taught you, once I've trained you, now, now it's just accountability time, right? And so... Once I check those boxes for myself, again, I put the proverbial ball in the proverbial court and yeah. say, 
go, right? And that's when, if they don't go, it's a very clear balance to me that, okay, I can look introspectively and go, did I clarify the expectations? Yes. How did I verify that, by the way? I had them repeat that stuff back to me. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was like, hey, my direct report, and I expect you to be doing X and Y and Z in the role that I'm plugging you into. Haley, what is your role? What is X and Y and Z? And yeah. what are you expected to do? How will we measure your performance? And then you tell me. That's okay. So that's been clarified, right? Now I'm training you and I'm working with you. I demonstrate how to do the job. You imitate how to do that job with me. And then we're perfecting it and we're perfecting it. And you're confident and I'm confident in your abilities. And then we go hands off. And now I'm just holding you accountable to continue to do those things, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so that's how I find that balance is, you know, by checking those two boxes for myself, if I coach their heads and their hearts on how and why to do those things, and then it's time to go and perform. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned also in there, like being confident in their abilities. And I have seen that like you hire specifically, I remember in my interview with you, you told me, and you mentioned this just a second ago too, you told me like, we can teach anyone how to scoop rice, but you can't right. necessarily teach people how to be good people and how to be kind and how to, you know, like these are things that, that just come. In your hiring process, what are you looking for? Are there like specific answers you're looking for? Specific, I almost want to say vibes because I don't have a better word. <laughs> but no, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vibes Absolutely. that you're searching for in those people you hire so that you can go forward and say, here are the standards. I'm confident you can meet them. Absolutely. Yep. So a lot of my the interviews that I'm running these days are for general managers of our locations and for the AGM position, which is the number two within a, within a store. Right. And what I'm looking for is actually very in tune with what our brand values are, which is balance, which you actually just brought up, right? If I find a balanced individual, which actually talks a lot to the hard skills and to the communication soft skills and to the vibes, quote unquote, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like that is just so encompassing where I'm looking for somebody that's balanced. I'm looking for somebody that's confident and humble enough to still be mm. taught. Yeah. I don't want somebody that's just confident and a butthole to work with that can't be taught yeah. anything. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't want, on the other hand, somebody that's just so freaking humble that they're not a leader and they're just always looking for feedback from everybody else and they can't stand on their own two feet and they have to be spoon fed everything, right? I'm looking for somebody yeah. that walks that line, right? And that's just one example. We could talk about the balance between the amount that they communicate out and the amount that they listen. That's balance, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, there's so many dynamics within the leadership specifically that I'm looking for balanced individuals. And so, almost all of my questions are geared towards identifying that yes, they have achieved balance in their management style, or they have not. Are there specific actions that you have taken as a leader to make sure that you are balanced? Have there ever been, and you can take these in two parts, have there ever been moments where sure. you have felt? unbalanced or you felt like maybe you're like, Oh, I'm a little too cocky or like you're too hard on yourself or, <laughs> or whatever it is. I've never been too cocky. I'm very <laughs> humble. And <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> sorry, the ball was on the tee. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. No, uh, as a younger manager, especially young in my career, um, you know, I became a general manager at the age of 22 and I certainly mm-hmm. leaned more cocky than humble. Not going to lie to you. Um, it's just kind of part of, I, I don't want to accuse my DNA, <laughs> you know what I mean? But maybe it's my upbringing and maybe it was the fact that I was just a young guy that was all of a sudden in charge of a bunch of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's been interesting actually is as I've developed more skills, as I've gained more influence on my surroundings within the company that I'm in, that's actually forced me to become more humble 
because I wouldn't be able to progress if I stayed that version of me, right? And so I think it's me recognizing what's it going to take to make that next leap, to take on what's next and the next opportunity in our next phase of growth, both as a brand and as a person. That's going to require that I continue to level up and identify and fine tune that level of balance where I, I think of it kind of like a, if you've seen a metronome that swings back right. and forth, right? And I'm trying to tighten that. I'm trying mm -hmm. to tighten that. I'm trying to tighten that to find that sweet spot, whether that again, be my communication or management style or empathy or work-life balance or whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, what do you feel like is the biggest mistake you've made as a manager? Whether it was a communication thing or like one specific moment you were like, yeah, I messed that up. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you a story. <laughs> I'll tell you, this is a funny story. Uh, I still take crap from this. <laughs> um, and, and this was maybe like two weeks into becoming the assistant manager. Um, so this was me taking leap from grill cook and dishwasher to, okay, I get to wear a polo now, right? And yeah. that feels exciting. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I'm running like maybe my third or fourth shift and a service dog comes in. And I'd only ever seen animals get kicked out of our restaurant. Mm. And so I said, hey, yeah, you know where this is going. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know where this is going, HR girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Not a good right. look. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good one. And so, yeah, no, I, I said, sorry, yeah, we can't. And that was nice about it. Don't get me wrong. Hey, sorry, we can't do animals in here and it's food and restaurant. And yeah, that was young. That was stupid. And I didn't know, really. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know. And it wasn't the fact that I didn't know that was the problem. It was the fact that they're like, oh, well, no, we can be in here. It's a service dog and whatever. And then I yeah. kind of like stood my ground and I was like, no, yeah. I'm right. And yeah. <laughs> this is my store. And, you know, not that I said that, right. But that yeah. was the attitude that I mm -hmm. exuded to, to our guests. And, um, you know, we avoided the lawsuit, which thank God, but it, it's <laughs> one of those where <laughs> that was again, leaning into the cocky, like, Hey, mm -hmm. you know, it was a guest, but it was me just standing behind my own cocky decision without, um, you know, actually listening. And actually mm -hmm. trying to understand like, oh, shoot, like I, there was opportunity in that conversation for me to backtrack. There's yeah. opportunity there for me to, to save it before it fully sunk to the ground. And yeah. instead I stomped on it and pushed it further into the ground. Right. <laughs> yeah. I so actually, that, that, was a, that was a mistake. That's Yeah, that is a mistake. <laughs> that's funny. But I think that's an interesting thought, too, because I was just talking to um, someone about my career and what I want to do. And I was saying like, Oh, I want to go into HR. And one day I love the idea of consulting in some way, you know, organizational current oh. communication, consulting, something in that world. But, and I told him, I was like, I'm not naive enough to think that I can like jump out of my undergrad and start consulting. I was like, I don't know anything. Sure. And I, and he was telling me that he was like, you know, and that's probably one of the best things you can think is that you're a little bit stupid. Like, <laughs> that oh, you like kind yeah. of don't, and sometimes I forget that. And not that I need to think I'm stupid, but I think, again, like back to the self-awareness, understanding that I am young and almost allowing myself to be a little bit stupid and to know right. like, because that now, you know, and now when service animals come into your to your <laughs> restaurant, you know that it's fine and you can have yes. an experience and avoid lawsuits. But yes. <laughs> I almost feel like that sometimes I forget about that. I feel like I need to have, I need to know everything and I need to um, be, I should be able to jump out of my undergrad and start consulting, um, which is insane. But <laughs> I, I do think that that, right. that would be an imbalanced approach, exactly. an imbalanced approach, right. In which frankly, nobody would expect that of you, including right. 
you know, if you're to jump out and do consulting. And, and frankly, even if you had 50 years of experience, who's the person that's going to sit in front of the 50-year veteran in any industry and go, you should know everything? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody yeah. thinks that, right? And so that, again, it, it's funny. You're right, because I think we're often imbalanced, again, more internally than we are externally. I think mm-hmm. we have a lot of grace and a lot of balance and for the most part, the relationships we have with others. And it's very intriguing that for whatever reason, it's more difficult to find that for ourselves because either we hold ourselves to a wicked high standard or to no mm-hmm. standard at all. And, yeah. and people are always struggling with where is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very difficult. <laughs> it's it is. Very, and I think it's, yeah, the balance thing, the balance and the self-awareness is so hard to find um, sure. in myself and then also in other people that I want to work with. Absolutely. I would pose this to you, I guess, as a question then. If if you were to leave undergrad and you did know everything, wouldn't you by default stop learning? Yeah. I, I guess what would be the point, right? <laughs> what would, what would be, be the point, point of me That's right. working and, and <laughs> right. communicating with anyone, you know? Therefore, growth would stop because yeah. you know what? I've peaked. I've achieved everything. I've, I've, I'm here. I've right. arrived. Yeah. Right. And then by default, you're, you're just counteracting your whole purpose of like life, which is to learn Mm -hmm. and grow. Yeah. That's a very good point. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. Um, (laughs) (laughs) On the topic of, we've talked a lot about, I mean, balance and self-awareness and kind of what makes a good leader, what makes a bad leader. Do you, I would love a story if you have one, but do you have like one thing that you're like this, Mm -hmm. if you employ this communication tactic as a leader, you will, wreck your team. You will mess everything up. Sure. And I'll even take it one further that you'll wreck yourself as well. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, my tactic is stop thinking about your damn self mm. because communication and leadership is not about you. I think that's, that's my tactic. The stories, again, I, I, I could think of a million. Um, uh, somebody that I'm training how to public speak, they're about to give a staff meeting, for example. This is a general mm-hmm. manager that's uh, recently opening a location. Maybe we're about a month or two into into having been open, it's still a relatively young team. We're about to hold our first staff meeting. Mm-hmm. And hey, Kaleo, man, I'm really nervous. And, um, you know, uh, I, I just, it's public speaking and everybody's terrified of public speaking, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, fair enough. Everybody's, everybody's mm-hmm. afraid of public speaking. Sure. And I go, what, do you, what are you nervous about, man? Well, and I'm curious, do you get pub, uh, public speaking anxiety? I used to for sure, but okay. I have had to do it so much in my degree thus far. I what made you nervous? Since I have originally. since like overcome it a lot, but I still like I get, you know, like I can feel it a little bit for sure. Um sure. and I don't know what made me nervous. I think there's always like the fear of failure, even though in theory I know the people I'm speaking in front of mm-hmm. probably won't care very much and they're probably not thinking about me that much. But mm-hmm. I think that's that's in the back of my mind, you know, I could really say the wrong thing or I could stutter or forget what right. I'm saying or something right. like that. I think that's probably right. the main thing. Totally. Yeah. Which are all natural fears, right? And then that's what I asked him. So Sam, what are you nervous about? Well, you know, what if I mess up and uh, you know, what if what if I lose my train of thought? What if it derails? What if it what are they gonna think about me? And I go, stop, stop, and I go, stop, stop. Who are you talking about right now? Oh, I'm talking about myself. Okay, okay. What if we reframed this and what if in this public speaking opportunity that you're going to train and coach your team, it was actually about your audience instead of you mm-hmm. and it shifted everything mm-hmm. and it changed everything. And this applies to like, I kid you not every communication 
which is it's not about you. Think about bringing value to the person you're speaking to. Mm. Who's your audience? I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you. This is a, I think it's a less Brown. It's hard to be nervous when your heart is set on service, mm. right? Because look, if I'm just trying to bring value to you, I don't care how many is in this auditorium. Like if I'm just here trying to help you actually, none of that's about me. And therefore yeah. like, yeah, I'm not thinking about me. It doesn't matter if I stutter because, because I'm not thinking about that in the first place. I'm thinking about how do I help you? How do yeah. I help you, my listener? Right. And, and that applies to one-on-ones that applies to hard conversations and disciplinaries mm -hmm. that applies to the public speaking that applies to even this conversation now where I don't know who's going to listen to it, but frankly, I'm not nervous because it's not about me. It's about, Hey, if I could help you out today, if I could help out whoever listens to this, then fantastic. Right. Yeah. And therefore I'm not nervous. And if I stutter or sound stupid, then so be it. Mm -hmm. But my heart and my mind is, is focused not on me, but on you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think yeah. that that's really interesting because that really, now that I'm thinking about all these different communication tools I learn, that really is what it's all about. You think about yeah. like one-on-one -on -one conversations with your friend or your spouse or your whoever it is, that if you are sitting there thinking, how am I going to respond? You know, how am I going to, and I think Stephen Covey says, most people listen with the intent to reply, not with the intent to understand. And yeah. that, again, you're thinking about yourself <laughs> instead of yep. thinking, instead of listening to what that person's saying and thinking, what's going on with them? Let me understand this. And you may not need to say a single thing, you know, and that I think is where we get tripped up. That's where poor communication is when you are just in your head. Yeah. That's Ironic, weird. isn't it? Yeah. Ironic. Yeah. Because the more you focus on yourself and, oh, how do I communicate and how am I, how am I, and what about me? And what it's like, no, it's stop, stop. It's not about you. Yeah. And you're going to be a far better communicator actually by getting better at listening. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is actually a crazy light bulb moment. If you don't mind me digressing, this is the little, little baby yeah. story. I was driving in the car the other day and, and had this like crazy, like epiphany moment, which doesn't happen to me because I don't have like many smart thoughts generally. <laughs> and <laughs> most of them are just like me absorbing them from other smart people. Yeah. And, and this one I'm very proud of. And, and I was thinking in terms of this relationship between communication and eloquence and the way that you speak and articulate versus the way that you listen and hear and, and that again, balance. And it was interesting because I thought about to the extremes, like, okay, what about the folks that can't hear? What about, what about those that are deaf, right? Mm -hmm. They struggle heavily with verbal communication. Hmm. In fact, some of them can't. Very yeah. interesting, right? Why is this? Well, because they can't hear. What does mm -hmm. this have to do with their mouth? All the motor functions in there, but they can't hear, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 then I, I and I was like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I'm on to something, right? And then I was like, there are so many freaking people that you and I know that are blessed and gifted with the ability to hear that choose not to listen. Mm -hmm. And because they're bad listeners, they're bad communicators. And because they don't listen well, they also don't communicate and verbalize and articulate well. And yeah. it was like the lights came on for me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, whoa, you know, like, yeah, that relationship, like the best speakers that, you know, are also the best listeners that, you know, mm -hmm. I will bet you my year's salary on it. Yeah. And the <laughs> worst speakers, you know, are the ones that suck at listening. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd bet you that. You, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I was just thinking about this a little bit today, actually. I was listening to this podcast and it wasn't anything. I mean, I was learning things, but it wasn't an academic podcast. Or a, <laughs> sure. It was funny. 
And this woman was describing someone else like screaming at her this experience. She like, it was a stranger that she had walked by. Something was going on and, and this lady was screaming. And I was thinking about people like that where you walk by them or even just like having a manager like that, you know, we've all done it that just that's what they resort to is screaming at you, whatever it is, just communication that makes you feel like a piece of crap, like just like the worst, like, like gum on the bottom of someone's shoe. And I was thinking like, those people have never listened to anyone a day in their life. (laughs) And, and maybe that's a, a blanket statement and and that's not entirely true. And I'm, and you know, everyone has something and we don't know people's stories, but I think like the people, the leaders, the coworkers, the teachers and, and parents and children that stop and listen first before they speak just are the best communicators in the world. I think that's sure. just it. And also that being said, me knowing that and understanding that and having read the books and listened to the podcast about listening, I still mess it up. And I think, why did I do that? Why did I, <laughs> why did I not listen right. enough? I don't do these things. It's hard to discipline. It's hard to it discipline. And I think again, it's because it's because so caught up, like you said already in your own head and what do I want to say and yeah. what am I going to respond? And, and really, if you just buckled down and listen, You'd be equipping yourself with all of this, all of this communication skill that we're choosing to bypass because I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about what I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do. And it's not about the world around me. Right. And so I guess, yeah, a great communication tactic for those that want to build their communication skills is actually to shut your mouth and start listening more Mm -hmm. and, and, and listen intensely and intently. I love that. And I do, I have another question that I want to ask that I actually have been thinking about since my podcast with Jen. And I'm curious what your um, thoughts are having more experience than both of us. Jen and I talked about the balance of um, needing your employees to meet standards and also understanding that they're human beings and having empathy Mm -hmm. and knowing that they might mess up and also that they might just have a bad day, you know? And I think I, like when I worked for you, I like to think I w- did a good job and I, I showed Absolutely. up, I, I'm always on time <laughs> and I yes. um, put in effort, but I also am, I'm an emotional person and I'm sure there were days that I was like not feeling it and I still showed up and I still put in the work, but I probably wasn't as happy as I could have been. You know, I probably wasn't as friendly and bubbly as I could have been. Where do you draw that line between I guess how come, all comes back to balance. That'll be the title of this episode. But balance, <laughs> where's <baby>. that balance <laughs> between respecting them as human beings and wanting to listen and wanting to help as their leader, but then also saying you have standards you need to meet? Correct. Yeah. No. Great question. Uh, I'll take it back to what we already talked about. When there's behavior that doesn't meet the standard, it's getting coached. Mm-hmm. Even if that's in a humane way, by the way. And 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 why, why do I don't know why you said it that way. Because it has to be in a humane way. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, because you're human. <laughs> even if we decide to way. not be yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I heard it come out and I was like, reverse. <laughs> Throw that in reverse. Oh, that's funny. No, well, no, like I said, but it has to get coached every single time, right? Now, now, what my balance tactic is on this one is if you're having a crappy day on, you know, Tuesday, February 13th, right? What I'll do is I'll be able to zoom out with my manager lens and go, okay, let's look at the lifespan of my interactions with this person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, let's look at the track record. 
right? Is this the 15th time in 14 shifts that we've had this issue? Mm-hmm. That's bad, right? Now, now, you know, that's that's now me not being as understanding to the fact that like, yeah, you're going to be a human and have problems sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. But like when it's every single day and it's impacting performance, now we have to have conversations, yeah. right? And and so, but first what I do is I'll, I'll zoom out because sometimes you zoom out and you do find those folks where it's like, geez, this is like, the third grandma that you've had die, you know, like, <laughs> like that's crazy. Week. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's nuts. <Yes. laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. whoa, right? And and sometimes you zoom out and go, look, this person, you know, like yourself, you're a great, reliable person. You bring great energy. You bring great performance. You meet all the metrics. Everything's checked out. And if I zoom in on this one day, it's not going hot. We're we're not doing well. But if I zoom all the way back out, I can go okay. Mm-hmm. This is a one-off. This is clearly not the norm. This mm-hmm. is clearly not the routine. We can have some allowance. We're still going to coach it. We're still going to approach it. Yeah. We're still going to help this person because human to human, I want to help you. But I'm going to recognize that in your whole lifespan of this relationship and this interaction, mm-hmm. this isn't typical. That 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 helps me find balance, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that's very interesting. And that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that you need to have the perspective and you need to understand the entire picture, which again, I feel like sometimes doesn't happen in management where someone jumps in and say like, you did this wrong and they're not understanding. They're not, maybe there's a reason you did that thing, you know, maybe. And that's happened to me a lot now that I think about it, Mm -hmm. that I do something and someone jumps in with like an eighth of the entire story and and doesn't ask. And again, like the, like, they're in their head and they're not listening and they're not paying attention. And that being they said, I also do that. <laughs> and I, sure. I don't want to sit here and be like, Oh, all these managers I've had. Um, <laughs> Cause I also sometimes, you know, I think I jump into any situation, assume I know everything and sure. start making assumptions and telling people what they should be doing. And it turns out, I don't know the entire story. I didn't ask. Right. Which is, which is natural. And I think that's maybe the craziest part of leadership and management is even if you do it the right way and you do lead with questions and you do gain more understanding, you're never going to fully understand what that context is. Yeah. You're never going to fully have a picture. And there's a certain element of this that is assumption because, well, I'm not you. And so therefore, I don't know some Mm -hmm. things about this. And that's just inherently built into the relationship that we have, right? So you've given us a lot, um, but do you have anything that you would recommend someone who wants to be a great leader, someone who wants to be in the, who wants to communicate with some, anyone effectively, what is your advice? What's your, your big takeaway that you would Yeah, no, I love that. Um, continue to grow yourself. You know, I think I'll echo that, that first interview that you did, uh, or at least that I've heard with Jen, in which if you cap yourself and if you stop learning, then by default, you cap the value that you bring to your team and to your direct reports as a leader. And to me, that's the most exciting part of the gig. You know, that's the most exciting part of being a leader is being able, again, in a service-oriented mindset to turn around and provide value to others. If I stop growing myself, by default, I stop my ability to growing those around me. And so number one would be always have your nose in a book, if that's how you learn, or on a podcast or on YouTube or pursuing your college education, whatever that may be, that is your source of growth and development. Don't stop. Don't Mm -hmm. stop. And at a very deep core level as humans and spirits, if you're into that, then I I think that's kind of our 
purpose is to learn and to grow. And so specifically through the leadership lane, but then even at like a, an existence level, I'll take it that I'll take it that deep. Yeah. Um, I would say that's why we're here is to continue to learn and grow. And so that's going to be the best favor that you can do for yourself as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, number two would be stop thinking about yourself and think about bringing value to the organization that you find yourself inside and finding ways to create value for the people that are around you. If you can bring value to your organization, if you can bring value to the people in your immediate surroundings, you will be successful. It's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. And then I think that would be number three for me. Um, and I would wrap it up with that is be patient. Be patient with yourself because you're going to screw things up. Be patient with your organization because maybe it's not growing as fast as you'd like it to. Maybe the opportunities are presenting themselves as quickly as they should. And the universe isn't falling into my lap, even though I'm growing myself, Cleo, and I'm trying and I'm striving and I'm bringing mm-hmm. There's an element of patience that has to be allotted there. And then being patient with your leadership, being patient with the people you report to. Because just like me and you, they're not perfect either. And so I got to be patient with myself. I got to be patient with my circumstance. And I got to be patient and understanding to my leadership and my own mentorship as well. Mm -hmm. I think that one especially is really good, at least for me to hear, because the like lifelong learning, I'm like, yes, I know that. And then the, (laughs) and the looking outside yourself, I'm like, yes, I know that I'm not perfect at it, but I know that. And the Mm -hmm. patience, that one actually kind of caught me off guard. (laughs) And I thought, oh, (laughs) that's what I'm not, I'm not as focused on. (laughs) Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) When I wasn't. Sure. But let me, let me caveat that with balance, because I'm huge on leaning aggressive on taking action on getting stuff done and on not being patient. Right. And so there's certainly a balance that you have to find with yourself between being patient and impatient. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't be so patient that you never achieve anything in life, but don't be so impatient that you beat the crap out of yourself at night and you can't sleep. That's not healthy. That's not good. And that's not going to be the sweet spot that helps you grow. Don't be so patient with your organization that you find yourself in that one day I'll get to be a shift supervisor and it's been 17 years and you're still a team member. Yeah. Stop being patient, right? If you've actually been growing you and you're deserving of it, it's time to stop, stop being patient. Right. And so there's certainly a balance to that, but I I try and correct myself because I lean into impatience naturally to be more patient with myself, to be more patient with my people and more patient with my organization and my circumstances and make sure that I'll bide my time and success will come to me because I'm a growing human being that's just attracting mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's a yeah. great point. And I think that's evident also the balance of patience and impatience that's evident in your career path in the sense that you were like, listen, college is not getting me what I want or it's not mm-hmm. going to take me where I need to go. This is I'm going to go there. But you didn't switch to Mobetas and become a district manager right then. It took how yeah. many years? Did it take? Yeah, it took five years. Five years. And yeah. Also, this is not the end of your career. You know, this is not, right. we're not, you're not at right. the stopping point at all. That's a, yeah, that's very, I'm going to have to think about that one for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's one that I think is always good to come back and reflect to on often, uh, which is, you know, am I being balanced? Am I being balanced with myself? Because again, I, you, I would assume that you are a communicative and smart person that holds great relationships with those around you. Are you being patient enough though with yourself? Because you're probably very patient with those around you, I would assume. Maybe, maybe not. I hope so. I try to be. <laughs> you, you were when I met you. Yeah. <laughs> you were when I knew you three years ago. You have no idea what's happened these last three years. Like, <laughs> 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 Don't even get me started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's one of those where it's, I think it's healthy to look inside and go, am I being patient enough and impatient enough with mm. myself? 
Am I being patient enough and impatient enough with my opportunities that are upcoming? And, and always, again, with that metronome, be trying to find that sweet spot because if you find yourself way over here, then you're going to have to course correct something in that mindset or in that approach. That's great. I have a lot to think about after this episode, but I want to say one more thing about you and then I'm going to ask you our last question. Um, I think that people listening to this episode can almost, you know, not that everything we've said is capital T truth, but I would say just about everything you've said is capital T truth. And we know that because I came to you to be on this podcast three years after having you be my general manager at a food job, you know, like that is, that's something that sticks is good, excellent leadership. And I saw it and I experienced it and clearly it impacted me and has really changed the way that I work with people, the way, what I decided to do with my life, honestly, because I saw excellent communication and I loved it. So that's just a caveat for really everyone listening that this, the things that you've said are like tried and true. <laughs> it's, it's, well, been thank you very much. And yeah. Although I guess I'm not a, uh, I don't have a job yet. So that's, <laughs> I'm not like a, a huge success. <laughs> be, be patient. Be yeah, patient. Yeah. <laughs> be patient and impatient. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then my last question is what is your favorite thing about yourself? Oh, great question. My favorite thing about myself, um, I think would be my, my drive my drive, I'm driven. Mm -hmm. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't compete with the person I was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't reflect on if I did improve in my leadership, in my parenthood, in my marriage, in my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health, I mean, you name it, like I, I go through all these criteria of who I am as a body, as a mind, as a spirit, as all the different hats I wear in life. And, um, my favorite trait is that I am introspective and competing with myself intensely every single day that I wake up is mm-hmm. to compete with who I was yesterday and become better for myself. And more importantly, to become better for those around me mm-hmm. so that I can be a better uh, asset to their success. And I think that's what makes you a great leader for sure. And I also okay. will never, I'll end with this last thing too. I'll never forget something you said, I think at a staff meeting that Every Christmas, when you see that like random aunt that you only see once a year at Christmas, you should be a better version than the last version she saw of you last Christmas. <laughs> and That's I think right. about that all the time, usually around Christmas, I think, am I a better version than I was last year? Um, I love it. But love it. you have had a huge impact on me and I'm very grateful. And thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Well, and thank I, you. And back at you. A really great episode. And I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Well, back at you. And before you even wrap it, um, yeah. proud of who you've become and and what you're doing. And I just want to shout out, you know, the difference between the person that I met three years ago in that interview that was, ooh, I don't know, and I'm figuring it out, and we'll see. And <laughs> yeah. the amount of direction and focus and doing podcasts and interviews <laughs> and, and the things that you are up to right now, um, shout out. And I'm very proud of what you're doing and you know to your point like yeah you're a different more elevated version of who you are and so i'm grateful for having been had this opportunity to meet the version of who you are now uh, versus who you used to be and you know i hope that we continue to keep in touch and meet the version of you that you do become yeah i'm sure we will thank you very much i appreciate it absolutely absolutely